1: Russell Westbrook is off to Houston. It's gonna be scary. Not for us. <laughs> hey, no! James Harden just caught a body here in Los Angeles. And Westbrook is off the freeway.
0: What's up, guys? news like podcast. My name is Salman Ali, at Solomon NBA on Twitter. You're joined by Ben Dubose of USA Today Sports. How you doing, man?
1: Doing well, Salman. How are you?
0: I'm doing all right. So we're going to talk about media day in a little bit, but first I want to talk about the roster moves Houston announced for training camp today. Yep. Um, I already talked about DeMarcus Cousins in the last pod, so let's talk about the other ones. Gerald Green, K.J. Martin, Jerry and Grant, Trevling Queen, and Bro- Broderick Thomas. Uh, I actually want to start with Gerald Green because I actually like the signing. And it it has some to do with basketball, but mostly mm-hmm. it has... To, like. I don't know how you how you think about the game, right? I'm not sure. I, we haven't had like a long, extensive conversation about this kind of stuff, but I guess we can do that now. Like, I, I, I you know, on some respects, I do agree with more like talent, talent, talent. Mm-hmm. Maximize every roster spot. Maximize every cap space dollar. All that. I agree with that kind of stuff. There's also an element of the game that, you know, I differentiate from that. Like I'm, I'm a little Spursy, and like, I do believe in culture. I do believe yep. in feel. I do believe in how the locker room is supposed to feel. And I think like you read that Sam Amick and Kelly Eco article from this summer, or I mm-hmm. guess this offseason, season. And it really felt like Houston's locker room, although it was winning games, felt a little toxic and a, a little down. And, mm-hmm. What I know about Gerald Green is he keeps a locker room upbeat, yep. and I know this totally from interviewing agree. him. Yeah, and, and and all everybody in the locker room loves him. He's there's a reason he's in like every Los Angeles pickup game you could find. Like he's he gets invited to all the stuff. There's a reason Chris Paul and James Harden campaigned for him to be on the team when he was you know at home playing one on one with his dog. Like there's a reason every player likes him, and and yeah, if basketball rise like there's. Ben McLemore 100% fits his role to a T, but there's another element of the game where G- Gerald is just, like, more out there, and, you know, he's he's more talkative, and he's more positive. He's, like, he's a different personality type uh, than Ben, and I just like this idea of, like, getting someone in there that can cool the temperature a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, you know Gerald Green's not going to resolve the, any, you know, overwhelming tension James and Russ have, but he, I think he does help... Um, just the feel of the locker room it just it just makes it feel a lot cozier with someone a familiar face like that
1: I agree from everything I've witnessed he has a good relationship with James Harden and I think that's extremely important to the Rockets at a macro level right now the other thing to me about this season Solomon you need guys in your say 9 through 12 spots on your roster at least that are viable NBA contributors a lot of times in recent years I feel like the Rockets, and there's good reason for this, because other than, you know, the eight to nine man rotation, they've tended to err on the side of those last roster spots rather than giving them to, to veterans being sort of young developmental guys. Because if if they're not gonna play anyway, then you may as well hope that one of them pans out big in the long term, i.e., you get someone that you really hit on and then, you know, they're a potential building block moving forward and that's why we've seen them err on the side of you know the Gary Clark and Isaiah Hartenstein tier although of course those guys have since moved on but you get the idea Chris Clemens last year the template that they've gone with to me this year I like going with you know you mentioned Gerald but Jerry and Grant Boogie Cousins to some extent. Guys in that tier that, you know, maybe they're not 100% rotation locks. Well, I guess Boogie is, assuming he's healthy, but certainly not in your lock category going into training camp, given the medical concerns. But the point is, Salman, in addition to the culture element, getting more proven guys in there, I do think that matters. The reality is this season, because of COVID, at least the first half, is going to be wildly unpredictable we've seen it in baseball we've seen it in football these other leagues guys are going to test positive it's going to take them out for two three weeks at a time when you consider the fact that not only is there the isolation period but they can't work out during that and then you sort of have to build them back up to an nba level even if they are lucky enough to test negative after 10 days or whatever the mandatory period is And that's something that the NBA has not seen before. This is not like, well, there's going to be injuries and someone sprains an ankle. No, this is something that's a lot more inevitable, sadly, with the rate of COVID around the United States right now and the travel that they're going to be going through. Unfortunately, this is going to happen. And that's why I sort of laugh when I look at Twitter and I see people getting bogged down in the minutia of thinking, oh, you know, these are the top two or three teams in the West. And then here's the middle tier. And then here's the back tier. No, the reality is you can't look at it on paper this year because there's going to be so much upheaval. Now, maybe you can argue the Rockets with Christian Wood, Russell Westbrook being confirmed, COVID guys already. Maybe they have antibodies. Who knows? We'll see. That could potentially be helpful. I saw David Wiener making that argument today. We can cross our fingers for that if you're a Rockets fan. But as far as just building a roster for the 2020-2021 NBA season, You need guys, even if they're not in your day one rotation, you need the Jill Green types. The Jerry and Grant could be that as well. Guys that, while they're, again, maybe not household names or ready-made to step in your rotation, assuming everyone's healthy, you need guys that are able to step in and not be rattled. If someone has a positive test and is out for two weeks and you need someone to capably fill 15 to 20 minutes per night, that is underrated. And so the Rockets, I'm not saying it's easy because they do have the hard salary cap after the Christian Woods sign and trade. I get that. But in my opinion, in this year in particular, the more veterans you can have from, say, the 10 spot on down in the rotation Certainly, it helps from a culture standpoint. I think it's also especially big because, let's be real, it's sad, it's unfortunate, but guys are going to test positive. You're going to have players lost, unfortunately, at least until they're able to get a vaccine, which probably isn't until the midpoint of the season, March, April. And if that's the case, you need guys at the end of your bench that can step up. And Gerald Green, I feel a lot more confident in Gerald than I would whoever the Chris Clemens of this year would be for that roster spot otherwise.
0: So who makes the roster? So I'm looking at this list, and there's going to be one surprise guy that doesn't make the roster. Mm-hmm. And to, to me, like, I'm looking at it, and I just keep coming back to this one name. And God bless him. If he was, like, three inches taller, I think he'd p- probably be an NBA player. I can't help but feel like Chris Clemens has kind of reached the end of the yeah. rope here. Mm-hmm. And I, I, think, I think Gerald Green is going to take that roster
1: Yeah, spot. and I think it's for the reason that we've just been, or that I've just been explaining. You know, I think in a perfect world you could continue with Chris Clemens as a developmental guy. But I think the reality, and who knows, if he doesn't get claimed, maybe there's a path that you can keep him with the Vipers. But I just think that in this particular year, you're going to need to lean on that proven experience. And the reality is, at his height, they're certainly going to have some guys that they give either real contracts or two ways to, but I think you're going to see them err on – bigger and i when i say bigger i mean literally bigger prospects than chris clemens is the guys they've got this offseason mason jones kj martin to me they have higher ceilings than chris does so to me i'm right there with you between the need for veterans and the fact that some of these guys that they acquired this offseason the young ones probably have a higher tier um at least a higher ceiling i should say than chris clemens I tend to agree that they probably end up not picking up his uh, his option for this year.
0: So today we're going to be talking about uh, Media Day, and we do this every year. We've done it for the past few years, and I guess it's Media Week now. Mm-hmm. Um, so what traditionally what happens is Media Day, we get to interview the players, coaches, and executives in one day. And it's the NBA's version of Picture Day. But this year, the NBA decided to do it differently. Now, all that's going to happen, but over the course of one week instead of one day. Mm -hmm. Ben, do you want to explain why they're doing it this way?
1: Yeah, because when everyone is talking this week about training camp getting underway, which technically the process started on Tuesday... Everyone is sort of thinking the way it normally is. The first day of school, they report, and then either at Toyota Center or the last couple of years at the Oak Hotel, which is owned by Tillman Fertitta, everyone gets in and it's like the first day of school. That's not what it's like this year. Now, I know I mentioned that, you know, guys are going to test positive. Yeah, that's sadly the truth in all likelihood, but the NBA is at least going to try to start this with a baseline of zero and create as close to a bubble as they can in each individual market. So because of that, you're not going to see any real training camp stuff, i.e. guys getting together until Sunday. What you're doing now, people are going in for individual workouts. They're putting up shots, doing a few things in the gym by themselves, and then they're going through their COVID testing on a daily basis. And so because of that, you're not going to see guys in the same room at the same time on a podium, one after another, because they are spacing these guys out when they come in throughout the day. Because if someone tests positive and we heard from uh, Mark Stein, I saw that the Warriors had two positives in their initial round of testing, then they don't want these guys together. When work starts on Sunday the group work that is, they want as close to a baseline of zero as possible. So that's why this is spread out this week. And so because of that, you know, Media Day is basically the entry before they even start training camp, because we'll get daily access to at least Steven Silas and some of the players. Media Day is sort of like how was your summer? And of course in this case it wasn't the summer, but basically what have you been working on? As I mentioned, the first day of school dynamic. Well, this year, no one is going in at the same time. So the way it's going to work is every day, you're going to get two or three different players that come in around, you know, the allotted time. I think tomorrow it's supposed to be early afternoon. And that's just the way it is until there's a COVID vaccine, because there's just no way – to let them responsibly be together until they establish that baseline of zero or as close to zero as they possibly can. So because of that, yeah, it's just day by day, you'll get two or three each day. And hopefully by Sunday, you know, we'll be close to, well, not the full roster. but We never get the full roster. We get the majority of the marquee players. And I do think by Sunday, it'll be two or three each day. And then we'll get there to where we talk to everybody that matters, I think, by Saturday or Sunday of this weekend.
0: So, whenever we've done this preview, the first question I always ask you is, what are you most looking forward to hearing from? And I have a feeling that the answer is probably going to be pretty obvious this year. So, instead, I'll ask this. Like, when James Harden takes the podium tomorrow, or whenever he takes the podium, Mm -hmm. and we have the opportunity to ask him a question, what's the first question you want to ask him?
1: Whew. That's a pretty good one. And, of course, I know going on that, and I understand why, because they're so well-tenured, but... Jonathan Fagan or Mark Berman will probably get the first question, I suspect, maybe Tim McMahon, because of his ESPN ties. But the bottom line is, did you ask for a trade this offseason, and do you still want a trade now? Because to this point, he has still not commented on the matter publicly. Now, I understand why everything was handled behind closed doors, sources, the whole nine yards, because he's under contract. And even in the NBA, there are consequences if you publicly act like a contract does not exist. So I understand that he might downplay it. Well, I think it's a pretty – it's a sure thing that he's going to downplay it to some extent. Now, does he go the KD route and basically call it fake news? I don't know. But to this point, he has not even addressed the subject. So I think – at least on the record, see what he says when you tell him about these reports that he asked for a trade. Did you ask to be moved to Brooklyn? And do you want to be moved to Brooklyn right now and see what he says? Because even if it's not you know, the complete honest truth and all of these guys are guarded to some extent, let's hear what he says. Because it's not all about whether he wants out or not. To me, a lot of fans, at least judging from the Twitter reaction the last couple of weeks, it seems so many people just want to check a box. Is James Harden happy or is he not? And I understand why, because he's a top five player every year. And it's scary to think about him leaving the Rockets and the rebuilding cycle that could follow. I understand that. But the reality is that most players around the NBA, it's not just that they're 100% happy or they want out. There are lots of shades of gray in there, especially for those that are under contract. And there's just so many people, it just, it seems like that they think that unless they hear that a guy wants out, then they just assume that everyone else must be just completely happy. And the reality is, no, I mean, these guys are drafted. They could have been drafted by any other team. In many cases with the Rockets, they were traded for, which they had basically no control over. Even if they did sign as free agents, they may have done it with a different coach, a different GM. That's changed in Houston this offseason. So the idea that just because a guy is under contract, if you haven't heard anything, that well, he just must be happy and everything's hunky-dory, that's absurd. There are lots of guys that aren't over the moon about their current situation, be it their role, whether they think they can win a championship where they are. There's lots of things that irk NBA players just like they irk. Anybody with regards to their jobs, but they're professional enough to go to basically go to work and do what they're paid to do. They're under contract. The question is Is there a point that's being reached, and in this case with James Harden, to where he would not give you what we have come to expect from him because of his state of mind? Is it going to affect his effort? Is it going to Affect who he is in the locker room, the leader that he is with the Rockets and how he helps lead this team, not just with his production, but certainly the guy he is in terms of helping and developing his teammates and lifting this team to where it's a contender basically every single year. Because if he's going to still be that guy, then the Rockets can go forward, not indefinitely. I mean, there's a point in which you would say, okay, the risk of him leaving for nothing is. So dire of a scenario, and maybe this point is the 2021 offseason that you just have to consider trades to get some sort of value for a guy that's that good and that sought after around the NBA, the asset argument. But if you can hold on until the 2021 offseason and still get that value, then obviously it's worth it, especially with what I consider a pretty successful offseason, bringing in Christian Wood, Demarcus Cousins, then you want to say, okay, can we make it work? Can we give it one more run? And, you know, it should be noted with Harden, unlike Russell Westbrook, there was never a report that James Harden outright wanted a trade that he wanted out of Houston. It is an important distinction. He wanted to Brooklyn. That was one destination. It's not like he just said, well, I'm tired of the Rockets and just get me out of here no matter what. So that to me offers some hope that maybe this is salvageable. And if it is, then he should give you some clues at media day. I doubt he'll say outright that this is nothing. I'm committed to Houston. I don't think he's going to surprise us the way he did in 2016 and sign a contract extension. But maybe he signals some openness to the new players they got in the offseason, Christian Wood, DeMarcus Cousins. Maybe he has, says something to indicate that his opinion could be changed if the Rockets get off to, say, a 25-10 and 10 start in the first half of the season, something really strong like that near the top of the West. Because if he's open To potentially changing his opinion, then that gives you a path to which you know you can keep him around for at least a year. See what happens. Hope for the best. And then even if it doesn't work out, okay, you can look to trade him next summer, and the offers will still be pretty much what they are right now because he's that good. The flip side to it, there are scenarios in which you know if he just wants out of Houston, no matter what, and he's going to be a malcontent. I'm not saying you have to deal him immediately. At the same time. It can nudge you in that direction if he's willing to be that unprofessional about it. Now, I don't think that's going to happen. James Harden in eight years in Houston has been nothing but a true pro. He's been great in the locker room. So, these dire scenarios that he's going to be a malcontent and just basically be toxic, poison, whatever you want to call it in the locker room, I think that's extreme. But if the, those are extreme, then he should be the same guy tomorrow in these media sessions or whatever it is. I don't think Harden will be tomorrow. I think he'll be towards the end of the week. But he should be the same guy that we've become accustomed to interviewing over over the years. And so that's just what I want to see, because in a perfect world, yeah, the Rockets can shelve this until at least a year from now and take one more run with a pretty intriguing roster and a season that has a lot of uncertainty given the COVID dynamics and everything else, and see if maybe the stars align like they did for a 33-year-old Dirk Nowitzki nearly a decade ago with the Mavs. Maybe things align at the right time. and You can get one more run. I think that's the goal. Whether that's realistic is not it, it, it goes back to what I said leading off this long-winded answer, which is that there's lots of shades of gray. It's not just, is he happy or is he not? The question is, okay, we know that according to reports, he wanted to go to Brooklyn. How firm is that? Is he open to change? What has he thought of the offseason? Does that factor under his evaluation of the Rockets? Again, there's lots of shades of gray to this. And what I want to see from James Harden, whatever his media day is, is whether there's some openness to reforming what those reported opinions were over the last couple of weeks.
0: Uh, Yeah, I think it's pretty simple. The question is, does he want to be here? And if he does, what's changed from the reporting we heard all summer about this trade request, and if if he if he doesn't want to be here, like what's changed from the end of the season till now? Like, is it the organizational departures of Daryl Morey and Mike D'Antoni? Is it the fact that they hired Stephen Silas instead of maybe somebody else? Does he feel like Houston's title window is closed? Like, I think all of these are possible reasons he may have requested a trade. But the question is, what specifically is the overwhelming reason? And if there is no overwhelming se- reason, like maybe it's a combination of all of this. Like, how uncomfortable. Does James Harden make? Can he make it for the Rockets? Does he? Does he decide like as you said? Does he decide to pout? Does he decide like slump his shoulders on defense? Not even try. Does he decide to like you know Mm. not even show up to practice? You know, does he decide to do a Jimmy Butler and be extremely contentious? Does he decide to uh, change agencies? You know, maybe he decides to go sign with Rock Nation, make it really uncomfortable, (laughs) and very clear where he where he wants to go next. year. Yeah, like it, it, he can do a number of things and I'm just I'm just interested in what what direction he decides to go because what he says this week will set the dire- direction for the franchise for this entire season. It will set the stage, it will set the tone for how this entire season will go. If he decides to brush this off, um it's going to be more unknown and we're just going to have to see until the season starts. If he decides to address it directly, uh you know, maybe we'll get a firm direction of where he wants to go with this and you know that's, that's really the question I have. Like, How does he decide to approach this interview?
1: Yeah, 100%. Because to me, that's where the uncertainty is with regards to the offseason. I think there's been a lot of people putting the Harden and Westbrook circumstances together because technically you can say that they both issued trade requests. But Harden left more reason for hope in that you haven't heard as much. There haven't been as many constant rumors. Well, part of that's because the Rockets have not shown any interest in dealing him for understandable reasons. But again, he did not specifically ask out of Houston. It was about one destination. And so if someone doesn't just want out to be out, but they want to go to one place, and underneath it all, I've seen nothing from James Harden over eight years that leads me to believe that he's not uh, practical And I think if you're under contract for at least two more years, maybe three, given that massive player option, then picking one destination to go to, I think on some level he would have to understand that that's not really realistic. And if that's the case, then yeah, you you can mount some optimism. That This can be patched up, especially if they get off to a good start to the year. i When I say patched up, not that everything is hunky-dory. Again, I don't, you shouldn't look at it as a box. Is, is he happy or is he not? When I say patched up, what I mean is have Harden as a good player play out the season. He'll be the same guy in 2021 that he was in 2020. And then we'll pick up the discussion after the playoffs. We'll see how far they get. We'll see what the NBA landscape looks like in the 2021 offseason and The Rockets can evaluate at that point. Also, of course, it's beneficial because in 2022 and 2023, those are the years the Rockets have full control of their first-round draft picks. So if they wanted to tank going to a rebuild, it makes sense. This year, of course, it would not because Oklahoma City owns the right to swap picks with them. So to me, that's why I'm most intrigued with Harden. I don't know if most intrigued is the right term, but I have the most optimism because if things go well, then i do think while it would still be in the background i don't think that it would necessarily be something that we just ask about every single day i think it's more you would shelve it until some really big picture inflection points maybe the trade deadline depending on how the start to the year goes if it doesn't go well maybe they consider something certainly off season but more likely i think would be shelving it until next off season and then just seeing how the playoffs go how deep they get and reacting at that point i think in contrast to that what i think is going to be Really intriguing to watch is the Russell Westbrook interview, whenever that is, because again, a lot of people conflate Harden and Westbrook because they are friends and they play for the same team and they both issue trade requests. But the Westbrook situation to me is a little bit different. I know I'm switching gears here a little bit, but with Russ, it's not that he had a destination in mind, he wanted out. And the initial report. You have these vague buzzwords like accountability and culture in which no one ever really defines what those mean. And of course, a lot of times it varies from person to person. But then the follow-up reporting from Mark Berman of Fox 26 Houston, of course, God of local reporting here, said that it was about the style of offense that the Rockets were running, that that's why he wanted out. And while Mark Berman does not need me to confirm his reporting, he's the legend. I've talked to people around the team. I've heard the same thing with Russell Westbrook. What he was and potentially is not satisfied with is not having the ball enough, that he wants the ball to operate in his hands the way that he did in Oklahoma City. Now, maybe in his mind, culture has something to do with that. I'm not calling him a liar or whoever issued those reports he could be framing it in that way and see there being a correlation there. Again, not saying that he's wrong or that those reports are fabricated, but in terms of you know the actual question, which is how do you fix this issue? How do you get to the root of everything? From what I have been told, and Mark Berman, again, has already reported this, so I don't need to confirm it. People should know that if Mark says it, it's pretty much gospel. Russell Westbrook did not like the offensive style of the Rockets last season and as i understand it he would like it to be something closer to his oklahoma city days not just in the approach off the court which is how the athletic article was framed to an extent but also on it as well can the rockets do that i've been told that they're hopeful that they that they can implement some tweaks to the offense and some of it is whether james harden is willing and able to play off the ball more that's sort of a question we ask ourselves like every single year And perhaps this is the catalyst to try it. Of course, you can also question, is it in the Rockets' best interest to take the ball out of James Harden's hands a bit more to satisfy Russell Westbrook? Now, I suppose you can argue, you know, staggering minutes, which they try and do. And so you can give some rust time, although those minutes, those units actually didn't do that well last year, as well as you would think. So to me, that's sort of the bigger picture to spin it back to media day the more interesting thing to me, because I I just feel like Harden, we're not going to get any true resolution. We'll see him largely downplay it the same way that Durant did with the Nets today, Tuesday was his availability, and then we'll just sort of watch in the background for any clues. With Westbrook, and we know that when he sees the media as adversarial, things can get pretty testy. With Westbrook, I think there's reason to ask him about what is it that you're allegedly unhappy with in Houston. Now, maybe he won't answer. Maybe he'll go the fake news route. Nothing would surprise me. But if you can get Westbrook opening up, I would be very curious to hear from him on the record what he thinks the issues are. And perhaps Stephen Silas has the answers to fix some of them relative to Mike D'Antoni. I don't know. But to me, you know, Russell is a little more interesting than James because with James, you know how he's going to be used. He's a top five player every single year. Everything the Rockets do in terms of on the court, off the court. It's about James Harden, and deservedly so. He is that good. With Russell Westbrook, he's very good, but he is not at that level. And I just think between the reporting and the fact that you know there wasn't a team for Westbrook, he was even open to going to teams like Charlotte and New York and maybe Washington. I think it's pretty clear between the reports and the context clues like that, there's more at play with Russell Westbrook in terms of what's driving his to get out of Houston. It's not like he just wants to go to Brooklyn to win a title. No, it's a little deeper than that, which potentially makes it a little harder to fix. So in these interviews, I want to see Russell Westbrook ask, number one, are these reports true? And secondly, what needs to specifically be done differently in 2021? relative to 2020
0: 2020 has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient which means every hire is critical indeed is here to help indeed is the number one job site in the world and more total visits than any other job sites according to ComScore. indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going unlike other sites indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring you only pay what you need you can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts and now indeed's new way of matching you with the candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job making indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do right now indeed is offering listeners a free 75 dollars credit to boost your job post which means more quality candidates will see it Fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at slash Blue Wire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to slash Blue Wire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Alright, football is back in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. Bet online gives you more options to wager on than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship features all day and every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Yeah, with Russ, I don't know. I, for me, I just can't find myself getting that interested in what he's going to say this week and th- that's not because like he's not going to be an integral part to what Houston decides to do with the score this season it's more because I kind of have a feeling I know how this interview is going to go like I just I, I've seen enough Russ interviews and, and I can kind of imagine what's going to happen and even in this context of him demanding a trade like I he's probably going to brush it off like he's probably going to go yeah he's probably going to go into this with a this not true, you know. I'm, it's not even something worth discussing. Next question. Next question. And I, I don't think we're gonna get anything substantive. I'm more interested to see here, like going back to Harden and, and you know to some extent Russ. Like, what do these guys think of what the Rockets did this offseason? Yeah. Like, do they approve the the changes, the infusion of youth, uh, the addition of Christ of a more traditional center in Christian Wood, not a traditional center, but a more traditional center, Christian Wood, the Demarcus Cousins signing. Um, or do they both think that the roster still has a long way to go? Like, if they're engaged and they don't shut down every question, which is a distinct possibility, um, their interviews could be fascinating. But more, more specifically, Harden. And that's more interesting to me because Harden interviews have never been fascinating. Uh, and... um this situation might force the issue for that to be interesting. Uh, I also highly doubt that it's going to be just local reporters on this press. They're like, this is going to be a very crowded Zoom call. So we're probably each only going to have the opportunity to ask like one question. Mm. I, and it's going to be really interesting to hear just, just w- the, what other reporters have to ask. Like, I, What kind of angles do they decide to attack this with? Because I think there's going to be people asking about, about Brooklyn. And I think there are going to be people asking him about Philly. And I think there are going to be people asking Harden, you know, from the Houston side, like, what is it going to take for Houston to be your city again, right? Like, what is it going to be, what is it going to take for Houston to convince you to come back into the fold here? And I don't really know what the answer is there. Like, 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 I don't know how much he had to do with what they did this offseason. because normally Harden is very much a part of their decision-making tree, right? Like under Maury, he was one of the first guys they went to uh, whenever they made any signing, any free agent move, like Jeff green, just this past season is an example of that like Jeff green was a very Harden driven signing, right? Like, and, Like you can go out, go throughout the course of Rockets franchise history over the past eight years. Like it's always been like that, and I'm just wondering how much of this offseason was like that. How much was the Christian Wood signing, Harden being like, yeah, we can't just be out here. Mm -hmm going on the glass like this like we need traditional bigs because we're just losing the rebounding battle night after night after night and me and Russ can't attack this alone we need actual centers and you know I want to run more pick and roll maybe you know because that's obviously been a uh, a staple of Harden's game before last season like it was an integral part of Houston's offense and they just went away from that completely and I wonder if Wood was a part of that thinking um DeMarcus Cousins you know like was DeMarcus Cousins recruited or was he signed? You know, like, I, I don't yeah. know. Like, I, 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 it's possible he was just like, I have to find a roster spot. Like, his, his deal is fully non-guaranteed. So it's possible he was just looking for any team that would sign him. He came off of three major injuries. It's also possible that Harded and Russ influenced the signing at the very least. You know, and I I don't know. Like I I want to hear what they have to say about this current roster right now because uh you know and the core is still there, right? Like Harden, Rust, PJ Tucker, still there from last season, Eric Gordon, all that. But the edges have hmm. changed dramatically. Yep. Like the average age of the of the guys going out was like thirty two years old. The average age of the guys coming in is like twenty four. And I wonder yeah. if they, if if they had any input in that.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair and. You know, in terms of Harden versus Westbrook, you know, I laid out why I think Westbrook in theory has the more potentially interesting response in terms of the practicality of it. I do think, as you said, you're much more likely to see Russ sort of get engaged in like an operation shutdown, in which, you know, we know how he can get when he views the media as sort of adversarial. And when he's in that mode, you just may not get... That much of a truly revealing answer. Whereas Harden is generally always, well, I shouldn't say always, there's a few rare circumstances in which he can be short, but usually Harden is pretty, you you know, introspective. He'll give you some, at least, insight into his thought process. And yeah, you know, over the course of his NBA career, I know he's been fairly close with Boogie Cousins. I would like to know if that was something that he had something to do with, because Boogie, I know he's coming off the Achilles. I know he's coming off the ACL, well, the ACL most recently. But for a non-guaranteed deal at the minimum, and only 30 years old, I I would think that he had other opportunities than Houston. And I can't imagine him signing on the dotted line in Houston without at least some hope that this wasn't going to be a wasteland, i.e. thinking that either you were going to blow up the team or things were going to be really toxic because of Harden and Westbrook. Just common sense sort of tells me that if not outright recruited, he had to have some reason to believe that things with Harden were at least going to be okay. So that's what I would like to see Harden address. Maybe he'll talk philosophically about you know going small versus now having... Guys that are six foot ten and can be threats, not just from the perimeter, but you know, in the lob game. That's something that we noticed after Clint Capella left. Harden not having the role man now he will, in Christian Wood. That should really be beneficial to him. Does he open up about that? Because you know, with Westbrook, I think we know what the issues are in terms of whether they can fix it. That's more a question of Stephen Silas, X's and O's. We'll have to wait and see how they structure the offense this year. With Harden, part of it is perception. The reason he wanted out, there's too many reports for me not to buy it. I don't care what he says. You're a fool if you believe that it's fake news and that it was fabricated. No, these stories are legitimate. Then... Some of the issue with Harden is perception, that he just, while he didn't want out of Houston, he just did not feel, or does not feel maybe, that Houston has the upside that Kevin Durant and Brooklyn do. Does this potentially change it? That's the thing. I I feel like with the issues with Westbrook, while I would like to have him address them, I guess to truly resolve them, you're not going to know until you see it on the floor. With Harden, at least part of the issue, not that the on-court results don't matter, but at least part of the issue is perception. He just does not think that this roster is or was good enough. Have the moves of the last 10 days potentially changed that? Yeah, I think you're sort of talking me back into the fold. Maybe Harden is more interesting after all, because while Westbrook's concerns are a little bit deeper, you're unlikely to truly answer them no matter what he says by media day. Whereas with Harden, yeah, you might get some clues one way or another on media day, at least in terms of perception and what he thinks about they did this offseason and what that means moving forward.
0: Yeah, and think about it. Like, this is the guy that two years ago said that he wanted to retire Houston Rocket. And just over the course of two years, that has apparently changed. So I, I, I do think he's going to be the more interesting uh, option. I of the two. And, you know, let's talk about resolutions here for a second. Because let's just say, in an ideal world for Houston, they mm-hmm. get that buy in from Harden, right? and people have talked about this two year extension that he turned down right and it, it is pretty significant that he did turn down 103 million dollars over the last two years of this contract that is insane right that's a lot of money to be right. turning down it is that is a significant news story but i think people are starting to view this as like a as like a two dimensional thing like either he signs that extension or he plays out this contract there's also a third option right he could pick up as a show of good faith if the rockets can get him to buy in he could pick up the third year of his current contract. Right. That's the third way out. Right. That, that That's like, that's like the, other. if he wants to show like any sign of good fate during the season, let's see, let's say it works out. Right. Let's say they're, I don't know, 20 and five or whatever to start a season. That, that's like being really optimistic on Houston's end, but let's say they start the season off really well. Um, Is there a possibility he signs, he picks up that third year? I don't know. I, I, I don't, I think probably not, but I think that's a, possibility that we're not talking about enough also i don't think there's any circumstance on westbrook's ends of things like i don't think there's any circumstance that he gets traded before the end of the season i just i don't think houston is willing to sell him at his lowest value right now and his contract is such that i think houston would rather have a, another year go off of it and to where it's more tradable next summer or even the summer after that, like I like if Houston goes into a rebuild and trade James Harden, like it doesn't really matter at that point when they trade Russell Westbrook, right? Like they can just hold on to him until they get the best possible offer because they're already rebuilding at that point anyway. So I don't really think like I think if they do go on to a rebuild Westbrook is the, is the second guy to leave. He's the second guy to get traded. I I don't buy into this idea that they're going to trade him while well Harden's still here as a as a way to get him bought in. I don't think that's going to work. I don't think this idea of a John Wall, Russell Westbrook trade is really that interesting on Houston's end of things. If they do decide to rebuild, then that's an interesting trade, right? Because then you're talking about draft picks that you could mm-hmm. potentially get back from Washington. But I don't think if 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 Houston's playing to to compete, I don't think that's a trade that particularly interests them and i i i i don't think it's a coincidence that we saw reporting uh last week that trade talks have stalled between the two teams so you know resolutions for these two players are going to be interesting i i i also think that that what we talked about earlier with harden's third year being picked up like that mm-hmm. could be a show of good faith that perhaps houston sees down the line this season we'll see it really that that's that's like you know that's the optimistic end of things for houston um it's going to be fascinating. I really do think how this all gets sorted out, whether you know it gets blown up at the trade deadline or maybe it gets blown up this summer, all this is going to be really interesting to see how it plays out.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, well, I agree that it's certainly interesting. I do think that they would be open even now to the Westbrook Wall thing if they got the picks. However, I just don't think that that Washington wants to go there because I think they would view that as sort of selling low to get a guy on the same contract that basically the Wizards know going into this that if Wall comes back anywhere close to who he was before the Achilles all of a sudden his value is going to go way up Wall's value is down now in part not that this contract will be good but you have the bad contract plus the fact that he hasn't played in basically two years and until he plays there is some additional risk with that when he plays if he bounces back to where he was before he's only 30 years old he actually has a lot less mileage on him than russ then he goes from what now looks like an awful contract given the uncertainty it's not a great contract but not really that different than russ once you reduce the the medical uncertainty a little bit
0: But here's the question I have for you. Like, who do you trust to be the better player next season? Like, John Wall at his age coming off the Achilles. Yeah, probably
1: probably Westbrook. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying, I'm saying I think for the same reasons that we've seen in some of the articles writing about Christian Wood, you know, they've referenced optionality with him. I could see them being open to a Westbrook-Wall thing if they felt like the drop-off in year one wasn't that significant, but they were getting these additional draft picks. Because here's the thing. If they were to get, say, two future 1st round picks with John Wall, something really good like that, it wouldn't be just Westbrook versus Wall. It would be that all of a sudden, you would be really well-stocked from an asset standpoint, to make a big deal, maybe at the trade deadline, because you would have all of these future picks, not just your own, but the ones from Portland and Detroit, the protected ones that you've acquired this offseason. Now you're talking about getting one or two more from Washington, and all of a sudden your asset sort of chest would be full again to where then you could be in position to where you might could acquire a real difference maker when one comes available later this year that upgrades your team now with your chances of winning a title with James Harden. So that's why I wouldn't totally write it off. I agree with you that it's unlikely, and I do agree with you that one-to-one, of course, Russell Westbrook, I feel that he gives you a better shot than John Wall. Just a strict one-to-one comparison. Who has the most upside this year? I get where you're coming from. I agree. I'm just saying I wouldn't write it off entirely. With that said, from everything that I've read— this seems like kind of a pointless debate because it, it sounds like the Wizards are bracing their fans for the fact that Wall is going to be there. In my opinion, that's because the Wizards aren't willing at this point to pay the premium of dealing Wall while his value is still especially low. I think the Wizards and, and Rockets basically want to do the same thing. They want to have Wall and Westbrook come out, start the season well, play maybe the, the full season, and then restore some of their value to where a trade is uh, easier to pull off in the future if need be.
0: Yeah, I guess to me it's just from both sides it feels like selling low on both players at at their lowest value, right? And that that's what that's what Houston did last year with Chris Paul and that and that's why I criticized that trade, right? Like it was not smart to sell that low on Chris Paul. Like it it just wasn't. And I don't I don't see trading Westbrook right now as the wisest move even if you're getting John Wall back like like cuz the worst case scenario is so bad. Like it's not just that oh you get a worse player. It's like you could get a Untenable contract on your books, and that means you have you have to pivot to a rebuild. Whereas right now, doing nothing keeps you in position to do both, where you can pivot to a rebuild or compete. And I, I I just think on Houston's end, it makes sense to stay away from a deal like that until it becomes absolutely obvious that you have it. You have to pivot to a rebuild because that deal, if John Wall comes back in you know the shape i'm expecting him to be right cuz coming off an achilles is no joke that deal's still going to be there you know later on and i don't see any reason to rush into that at this point
1: yeah i agree i mean it's probably not going to happen i mean and i feel pretty strongly that it won't i'm just saying there's some scenarios where i wouldn't totally write it off but i agree at this point the likely scenario is that keeping westbrook trying to rebuild his value and get back to the guy he was in January and February of this past season, that makes the most sense. I agree that that's probably going to be the end result of this, or, or at least the the end, the attempted end result. Let's put it that way.
0: Right. So let's now talk about the most interesting interview a- after those two, because um, there are a ton of contenders for this spot. And I guess I'll go first. I have Steven Silas here, and okay. that's a little controversial because we still have PJ Tucker, we still have Christian Wood, but I kind of have a feeling I know how those interviews are going to go, and I, I don't find them as interesting as, as Silas. So if you look at the moves Houston made this summer, uh, this does not look like a team that plans to run it back on spread the floor, let James isolate, and then yeah. switch everything on defense on the other end of things. Like They signed Christian Wood, which to me intrig- like indicates that they would like to r- run more pick and roll, pick and pop. They trade away uh, Robert Covington, which was who was a great off-the-ball uh, defender when Houston switched everything. He just caused a ton of havoc with his help, defenses, deflections, and his shot blocking at the rim. So I just think they're going to switch on defense less. I'm not sure they're going to run away from that and run like a traditional defense, but it will be more traditional than last year. Also, they also signed Boogie. And uh, boogie point play can't switch everything on uh, defense. So it will be interesting to see what what direction Talis decides to go with this on both ends of the floor. And I just want to ask him that.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good question for me. You know, there's a lot of interesting things. I'm right there with you. I think the, the P.J. Tucker storyline is a little overblown to me. Is there uncertainty with this contract? Yes. But honestly, it's really not that atypical. There are lots of. 35-year-old type guys in the NBA every year who want an extension but don't get one because, of course, at their age, it makes more sense to go year to year. Is he completely happy? Probably not. But again, it's really not that odd at his age. It's just sort of an occupational hazard. Daniel House, maybe, but I feel like they've had so much upheaval this offseason that, honestly, the luckiest guy in that Rockets locker room is Daniel House because three months ago everyone wanted to ask him what the hell happened in the bubble basically getting kicked out and obviously it hurt the team did it cost them a series i don't know but it sure as hell didn't help he is so lucky because so many bigger things have happened since then that's almost a footnote now is it a question that still needs to be asked sure and my guess is he'll own it he'll apologize and i'll move forward it is interesting, but it's not like, I don't know, it's not like a page one story I- anymore, in my opinion. Like, I, I'm actually by- most sorry, go ahead.
0: Before you move on from Daniel House, I mean, by the way, you're talking about a guy who got lucky. I mean, this guy went from potentially not even being on the team anymore to potentially, I mean, it's just being assumed that he's going to be a starter next season, like, which is insane to me. Like, this is a guy that they picked up off the scrap heap. He's going to get the biggest promotion of his career. He's going to be a starter on this Houston Rockets team in all likelihood next year because they traded away Robert Covington. It's going to be Harden, Russ, House, Tucker, and Wood, and like that's going to be a lot more responsibilities. And like for for a guy who got kicked out of the bubble, it's going to be a, it really interesting to ask him questions about that. Like, is he ready for that? Like, the, he's going to be asked to do so much more defensively. That he's ever been asked to do in his career, and he was already being asked to do a lot, and he's just going to be asked to do a lot more now. And I just wonder if he's ready for that. Like, that's just something we've just kind of brushed aside. Like, he's ready for it, and you know, I don't know. I don't know if he's ready for that. That's like thirty-two minutes a game. I don't know if and yeah. with with the Rockets, it's more like thirty-five. If you look at traditionally who plays that position, they usually play like thirty-four, thirty-five minutes a game. So I'm interested, is is Daniel ready for that huge responsibility?
1: Yeah, I think that's a fair question. And generally, he's a pretty good interview. So he's my honorable mention, I would say, for certainly the tabloid story, but also just whether he's ready to take that further leap. But the guy that I was going to say that's my most anticipated interview is Boogie Cousins because, well, number one, he's got a fascinating story with his career arc, the injuries. the fact, he's still only 30 But the other reason is that he sort of ties in to all these bigger picture things that we've been talking about, because he's the one guy, even more than Christian Wood, Boogie Cousins has the pedigree, the brand name, that he makes things feel different. I think above all else, what was clear based on the reporting of this offseason with Russell Westbrook, with James Harden, the status quo was not working. Something had to change. And, of course, we talked about the added size they brought in. Certainly Mike Antoni, Daryl Morey being replaced by Stephen Silas and Raphael Stone. We could go on and on with all of those changes. But in terms of brand name, and he's roughly the same age as Harden and Westbrook, Boogie is the type of guy that has a presence. Even if he's done just a one-year, unguaranteed deal at the moment, he is someone that when he speaks be it to the media or in the locker room, people listen. He has pedigree. And I think above all else, if you want to make this thing work, you want to get people back on the straight and narrow to have James Harden believe again. Boogie Cousins could be important to that, beyond the fact that I do think they have a pretty good relationship, from what I know. I think he just has the type of name, the type of brand that can potentially get people, not just outside, but inside the Rockets locker room, to see the team a little bit different. Is it completely logical? I'm not saying that it is. I understand the injuries and the fact that it's not realistic to expect him to go back to who he was with the Pelicans and the Kings a few years ago. I'm just saying that Boogie has a presence that, to me, can change the dynamic and provide something interesting to sort of hook, especially James Harden, onto and to potentially get, you know, just change the perception, the dynamic. And I think, you know, we'll see what he says at media day, but I really want Boogie Cousins to work out because beyond just what he can provide, X's and O's, Y's, what he can provide in his initial, I'm guessing, 15, 20 minutes per game off the bench, he's the type of name that can potentially change the way this team is viewed. And so I just want to see on... Day one, how ready is he? How does he look? What does he think he's capable of doing after this extended layoff? Because to me, the Boogie Cousins lottery ticket paying off, that's one of the easiest ways to seeing a scenario in which, in my opinion, that James Harden gives this another legitimate try.
0: Yeah, and he's such a sign that things are going to look so different for Houston on both ends, both ends of the floor last year. Like, I mean, Jonathan Fagan wrote this great, great article about that in the Houston Chronicle today. Uh, you guys can go check it out. Like, like he is a post up threat. He is a threat to pass out of the post. He is uh, he can run some pick and roll, although he's not really known for that. Great screen setter, by the way especially if the Rockets decide to run some more ball and body movement type stuff and, like, more of a traditional, like, motion offense. Like, he can do a lot of the screen setting and that kind of an offense. So, I'll be interested to see what they try to do with that. Um, defensively, like, he cannot switch everything. So, I, I wonder if, if they're thinking drop, like, in that second unit. Like, I it it certainly seems like it. Like, I, I, it would be very hard for me to imagine him switching everything. And, you know, th- when he got signed with the Rockets, there was a lot of talk about how, like, oh, the Rockets, of course, they're going to sign. They have all this locker room turmoil. And you're going to sign Boogie causes. And I, I just don't buy that. And there are a couple of reasons I don't buy that. Well, first of all, the reporting you, you heard out of, out of uh, Golden State in Los Angeles was that he was, like, a perennial professional in the locker room. And the contract that he signed, non-guaranteed minimum. That is the lowest you can go on the NBA ladder. Like that is, you cannot get any lower than that. He has a ton to prove to not only uh, himself but the rest of the NBA because he's playing for his next contract. Let's be very clear here. He is not paying. He's he's not just playing to be a contributor on this Rockets team. He is paying to get. He is playing to get paid uh, next season, and um, it, it will be interesting to see how he handles being a backup. For the first time in, uh, you know, really his career since, since uh, Sacramento, it's, it's, it's going to be insane. Um, the PJ Tucker thing. So this is something that I think could become a storyline if they get Harden back on board by midseason, right? Like if they yeah. can get Harden back on board, do do they decide to go, you know, maybe even like a one plus one type of extension, right? Where you, you sign them on to another year. You know, maybe a, a bloated f- first year, and the second year is non-guaranteed. I wonder if Tucker would w- be willing to go for that. I'm not sure what, what his market's going to be next season. Age 36, going into free agency, I don't know if he can demand like the full MLE or the BAE. Or you know, I, I no idea. Like, I I I wonder what teams are willing to give for him. I, I I suspect that teams want to trade for him more than they want to sign him next summer, right? Because trading for him on this current contract is really interesting and really attractive but i'm not sure if like signing him to a four year full mle is is really that attractive to a team but i i wonder if like if they get that buy-in from harden and you know perhaps perhaps they do perhaps they don't like if, if they get that buy-in you know will tucker be willing to sign on to like a one plus one cuz i i just don't think it's prudent for houston to sign anything beyond a one year extension or one year guaranteed extension because he's thirty, he's thirty five years old. Mm-hmm. This is usually where players fall off the fall off the wagon, especially defensively. You look at Trevor Ariza, great example of this. Like he was fine defensively that last year for Houston. Next season, fell off the wagon, Uh and I, you know, he's been on like ten teams since. God knows what team what team Trevor Ariza is on right now, but you get the point, right? Like this is the, that point in everyone's career where you just, there's a massive fall off. And I just wonder, I just wonder like what teams would want to take a chance on that?
1: Yeah, I think that's a fair question. Um, every year, that's what I wonder going in. It feels like, and I know this is only his fourth year in Houston, but really ever since 2018, I've wondered, is this the year that there's fall off? Because everything suggests that he should, not just his age, likely he's played the most games in the NBA by far since the 2012, 2013 season. Yeah, uh, and that's why I said going in, I really am not that intrigued, truth be told, by his interview, because while I don't think he's fully happy, at the same time, I don't think any other teams really view his situation all that differently in terms of the risk profile that goes with that, you know? Uh, I think it's just, it happens a lot with guys at that age around on the NBA, and there's a lot of pride, they want to be judged based on, you know, of course he has a lot of intangible value too in the locker room, but. The reality, age usually doesn't lie. And so that's why I'm sort of like, you know, not saying I don't want to hear from him, but I just find the storyline not exactly that scintillating because I'm just like, okay, even if he's not that happy, number one, I don't think he'd be handled that differently by any other team. And secondly, I don't know what his alternative really would be. I mean, to me, that that's sort of the... It, it's, it's just more... An occupational hazard the issue between the Rockets and Tucker than anything else
0: yeah and I think if he were signed to like a two or three year deal like it would be viewed as a bad contract immediately because his age is like he's really I mean like unless he plays like second team all defense this year right like unless he's that good this season like it's hard for me imagining a contract extending beyond next season mm-hmm. that looks attractive unless it's like a minimum deal which I doubt he's looking for, right? No, uh, of course not. Extension, like, like I, it would be very hard to imagine a contract like that looking appealing. Which is why I, I suggested the one plus one. If things end up looking good for you, um, listen, this this was fun. Uh, thanks so much for coming on, Ben. Do you have anything
1: to plug? Um, no, just normal stuff. Ben Dubose on Twitter, the Rockets Wire on Twitter, and rocketswire.usa the website. Thank you so much. Sure thing. Thanks for having me.